What happened? Shoot. Hello. Hello. What's going on? Looking forward to graduation. I can't find myself on here. I don't know where I am. Oh, here we go. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Okay. All right, let's begin. We're starting from the fifth letter. Um, he calls it, he titles it education. I'm not quite sure why that's the title of this, um, of this letter. Let's, let's see if we can figure it out as we're going along. But in my first go through, my first review of this, just to preparing, I didn't really, I didn't really get why he calls this letter education. Let's see. So he starts off with your latest letter, which we're not privy to what the letters are. Basically, in all of the 19 letters, we have only one letter from Benjamin to Nathan. All the rest of the letters are Nathan's responses. Um, it's not about a dialogue. It's not meant to be a dialogue. It's meant to be Nathan's views on, on the view on, on Torah, etc. But he refers to references um, his, his, uh, his students, his protégés, or friends' letters regularly. So your latest letter confirms my opinion about you, dear Benjamin, meaning that he's of high, that, that you're open to listening and, you, and, you, and you take, you're taking into account the things that I've told you and you're actually uh, applying them to your life. So after contemplating heaven and earth and all their hosts, or even one single creature alone, and listening to our definition of man's purpose, no youthful person who can still be impressed by noble ideas could fail shamefacedly to cast away his idols of silver and gold and super idol indulgence in pleasure. Clearly, there's, there's greater, just simply an ob a simple observation of the world, which is what he stressed and pushed in the fourth letter, uh, tells you that that can't be the purpose of the world. Such insight and relinquishing of these idols should not, however, lead to lethargic inactivity. The goal of here, of course, is not to become just somebody who sits around and, and, and does nothing. On the contrary, they call for resolutely taking hold of all that the world offers, not, however, as an end in itself, but in order to use it as a mere means. The goal here is to become, uh, to see the world as the aid by which I can become a greater person. The richer God allows you to become in inner and outer wealth, the more completely you are required to fulfill his will, and the more encompassing your task becomes. Uh, <clears throat> you, you, have a, you have a sense of responsibility of what it is that Hashem's put me in the world here to accomplish, what my goals need to be. You rightly state that just by contemplating man's capabilities, we can readily see 
that he is meant to function creatively. That is clear in addition to the factors you mentioned, you might consider man's upright stature, the way his head is poised for looking around and watching everything, and the complex structure of his hand formed to shape things. His mental ability suffices to let him comprehend all things to the extent that they serve his endeavors. Though beyond that, the path of knowledge is difficult and fraught with danger, pursued by but a few. Um, the very, well, we'll go back to that line in a second. The very development of man's intellect itself depends on meanings of putting into use, of putting it to use, on communication through words. This brings us to a, um, this brings us to an idea that we've discussed at length at different times, especially this year, we've talked about it a number of times, we've had a number of different occasions on which to discuss the concept of speech. But more than just speech, the concept of words and the concept of words being something that a formation or a forming of reality from the abstract. In other words, we've talked about nefesh, ruach, neshama, the three levels of the soul, of the, the animated, the, 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 the connector, and the higher spiritual abstract dimension. The, the, that which represents that intermediate stage is what we call speech. It's, it's man's ability to communicate, not simply to form words, but man's ability to communicate abstract ideas and to share abstract ideas with one another, but also the ability to take things from the world of the spiritual and bring them down into the physical. The, the bond between the, the spiritual and the physical is called speech. That is the place where that takes place, where, where transcendent concept, con, the conceptualization becomes actuality and then finally gets carried out. So we talk about machshava, it parallels the nefesh ruach neshama, or neshama ruach nefesh, parallel parallel the ideas of machshava, dibor, and maisa. Machshava being the thought, the abstract concept, that which is ephemeral and untouchable, which is simply the concept of thought. Then there's the bringing of that thought down into a formed reality that we call dibor. Doesn't mean actually saying the words out of my mouth, but it means the actualization of the concept into something concrete. And then ultimately the world of maisa, which means they're carrying out of it. Best expressed, I, I think, um, the way we like to say the way the, the way it's clear, most clearly expressed, all of that is is the manifestation of the spiritual potential in the physical dimension. That's essentially what it's all about. It's about taking it from one phase of existence into another. That is ultimately the real cough, the real ability of what man really is. That's why. When it says Adam, man was created, it says nishmas chayim. As we say, the famous Targum Targum Unklos, means means ruach ruach blew into his nostrils a a a, 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 a um, the ability to speak, but more than just an ability to speak, it's the ruach mamala. It's the ruach the ruach, the connector to the higher dimension of mamala that forms into words. That's really, that's really what it's all about. Going back to the idea of what he talks about before, of his mental ability suffices to let him comprehend all things to the extent that they serve his endeavors, clearly means that man has, can, we, can, we can experience things through a, a level of creativity, but the level of creativity is at the end of the day limited or it is simply, um, it is finite in its, in its capacity 
of what it's able to teach us, only those things that we're able to experience. It's one of the reasons that Chazal tell us that the Torah begins with a base, because the letter base represents like a bracket, it represents something that creates a, a, a boundary that you can't see what's above or below or behind it. You can only see from that point forward, from inside of it, coming out of it. That's essentially the, that's the, that's the concept. This is what he's talking about, that the men mental abilities suffice to let him comprehend all things to the extent that they serve his endeavors. Beyond that, the path of knowledge is difficult and fraught with danger because you're now talking about abstract concepts, ideas that are really above and beyond us, and that we are easy, can easily be mistaken about or not understand properly. Okay, the heart, on the other hand, the motivating source of all action, which is again, the heart and the cardiovascular system is essentially where it talks about, is again the koch of ruach, it's the koch, that's, it's that intermediate stage between nefesh and neshama, which brings, which brings into actuality the reality, but it's also the heart is, it says, it says, it says, Viadata es, es Hashem vosa el It's not enough simply to know Hashem intellectually. It's not enough to know something just with your mind. If Dessler writes that, it, that entire, in many areas of knowledge, it's enough to, to intellectually understand things. That's, that's wonderful. But when it comes to Torah, it requires vosa el A key component of understanding Torah is absorbing it as part of yourself and part of your very being has to be done, done by that. The rationale for that, the idea behind that being that many times you can see that people have certain ideas and they become fixated with their own ideas to the exclusion of others, even in ways that are biased. And sometimes it just depends on what eyes I cast on it, what eyes I'm looking at it through, what prism am I seeing this through? When I see it through that particular prism, it doesn't matter what the intellect says anymore, because from that prism, from that point of view, whatever I say, go follows along with the path of the path of wherever however it's been shaped. So with Torah, the knowledge of Hashem, it's not it's not enough for Yadata Hashem just to know Hashem. It has to be Vahashevosa El Lovavecha. It has to become a part of your very essence. It has to become a part of your being. It has to be a, a building block to opening a person up to connection to something that is higher and something that's more. This is the this is part of the concept that we talked about with Simcha a couple of weeks ago in the Parsha as well. But this this is the, this idea over here. The heart, on the other hand, the motivating source of all action has an infinite capacity to embrace all things with respect and love. It alone is capable of climbing the greatest heights and making unlimited progress. But one has to, the heart has to be in the right place. If your heart's not in the right place, if you try only to tackle, tackle it with the mind, one will not reach, may, may not reach the correct conclusions. That's the Veloy Sasuru Nechem if you if the heart isn't um pulled into the right place or 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 channeled in tuned in on the right level then you see it with different eyes understanding this you also correctly infer that indisputably man requires revelation of the divine will whether from outside or from within himself or in both ways the fact that you are unable to follow my quotations from the biblical text does not surprise me for the time being You'll have to accept my brief outline as a working hypothesis. Test it for its intrinsic truth. Familiarize yourself with this thought. Suppose this idea is actually contained in the Torah and leave it to me to prove to you later on that it really is. But meanwhile, let us continue. Um, so so in, in the, the, the following idea, he's going to 
um, attempt to bring 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 us to a deeper understanding of what it is that the Torah really wants from us, but we have to take him take him for his word at least at the outset that this is what the Torah really means. Guided by the Torah, we have discovered the position of man within creation. It is possible for us to understand that he is to be neither God nor slave of this earthly world, but a brother and a fellow worker. However, because of the nature and the scope of his service, he holds the rank of the firstborn. He is to be the administrator of the earth, and it is his task to attend to everything on it and further it in accordance with God, and further it in accordance with God's will. It is only from God, the source of all power, that he has received the right to appropriate the world for his own use. And with this privilege comes also the duty to take only that which the giver has permitted and to use it according to his will. In other words, man was put into this world and he was told that his, his existence in this world was, was almost unlimited, but conditional to observing one simple commandment, which is, of course, not to eat from the Eitz Hadas Tovara, not to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So in as much as one might expect that one that, that the goal would be that we approach everything with knowledge and with our own understanding and with the superior intellect with which we've been blessed, be allowed to do that, a person has to take that ultimate special gift, which is his Das, which is his knowledge, which is his ability to think, Etc., and subjugate that to the Rebbeinu Say that if Hashem only wants me, what doesn't want me to utilize this on, uh, with, in, uh, or only wants me to utilize this in a limited way, meaning the potential <clears throat> for understanding good and evil has to be absolutely clear and almost hold a person in check by its very by by that clarity alone. Then that's what a person has to do and not struggle or attempt to create the possibility whereby his choices are of his own making and not of the making which Hashem set, set up for him, um, which we'll see ultimately becomes Adam's, uh, Adam's downfall, becomes the, becomes the goal that he perceives as being the most important and uh, ultimately fails in. Um, good for man should therefore be only that which corresponds to God's will. And the and to the intent for which he created things, and evil only that which conflicts with his will. Good or evil is not what appeals to a person or repels him. Good or evil can't be decided upon, cannot be judged, cannot be defined by my own subjective observation or how it makes me feel. Uh, that should not be the that should not be the 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 um, the metric by which. These things are decided. No, but the what the metric by which these things are decided are whether or not this brings me closer to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Is it a revelation of truth of real existence, or the opposite? Is it is it actually the revelation of non-existence of something that goes against, so to speak, Kaviyochol? If if that such a thing could be possible, meaning because. For something to be going against Hashem's will means means for it to be non-existent because Hashem only wills in everything that exists is only there because Hashem wills it into existence. So therefore, it can only exist. It can only be something that is real if it is actually the will of Hashem. So choosing something that is quote unquote evil means to choose that which goes against the will of Hashem, which is by by its definition means is to choose something which is illusory, which is not illusory, but uh, which is not actually real. So, um, 
Um, so good or evil is not what appeals to a person or repels him, what agrees or disagrees with his desires, or what suits or runs counter to some arbitrary goal set by man himself without taking God's will into consideration. Self-indulgence, self-gratification, self-aggrandizement, and following the whims of one's heart are not man's purpose in life. His task is rather to ennoble everything, to take everything and to divine, to, to, to divine what its ultimate purpose is and to utilize it in the purpose that ultimately serves Hashem, including his urges and physical needs by putting them into the service of Hashem's will. Even one's own desires can be, poor, can be pushed in that, uh, in that uh, direction seeing them only as the means to the fulfillment of his mission, understanding that everything that there is in this world, like, like the Ramchal writes, this world is the prize door, this world is the corridor, this world is the preparation, it's the hachana for the olam ha'emes, it's, it's the prep, preparatory stage. It's not the ultimate of existence, it is the preparation, and therefore utilizing everything in this world means using it for that preparation correctly. Implicit in man's freedom of action, however, is the possibility of wrongdoing. Because we say that man actually has free choice, it means that he can actually has the ability to tap into or to seek out that which is truly non-existence. Man is non-existent because it's, it's choosing something that goes against what is kaviyocha, what is the ultimate, what is the ultimate uh, definer of good, which is the reverence of himself and the ratzon Hashem, the will of Hashem. And he can choose to go against that. Man is to subordinate himself to his own free of his own free will to the law which all other creatures have no choice but to obey. We have to come to the realization that we exist only in, to function as Hashem wants us to function, to do what Hashem wants us to do. Therefore, he alone has the has the possibility of evading it. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us the choice to be the ones to choose to follow after him, he also, by definition, therefore, must create within us the capability of choosing not to follow Hashem. Um, his animal nature, the demands of his body, pose the threat of sensuous lust, tempted by the pleasurable sensations which Hashem, in his loving kindness, associated with the satisfaction of his needs. Man may come to seek pleasure not as a means, but as an end into itself, whether it's eating or eating, drinking, sleeping, or, or, or anything else that, he, that a person chooses, which are necessary components of man's survival, but or mankind's survival, but he chooses to use utilize those for the pleasure aspect themselves, which are only there as motivators to use these things as the means to the proper end. But when these things become an end unto themselves, and the and the pleasure that's involved with them becomes the means to that end or becomes the reason for that end, then that's when we lose ourselves. Man's intellectual eminence poses the threat of pride. <clears throat> the fact that we have this uh, tremendous, these tremendous abilities uh, puts us in a position where we may falsely decide that we control certain things or that we are responsible, or that we are, we are the ones that have actually brought things, things, these things about. His power to dominate all things and to modify them according to his intentions might make him, him think of himself as the master. It brings on a, a perception or a false perception of control in the world. He might come to forget God, to forget that everything belongs to him and was lent to man only for a specific purpose. And 
he might thus come to usurp for himself the right to follow his own only his own will. It is possible that the world will degenerate into with man choosing to do what he wants to do and not what it is that Hashem wants to do. Man will reach the greatest depth of degradation when all his efforts are developed, are devoted, excuse me, to the gratification of his animalistic urges. When a person sees himself as simply that tool or that that uh, that 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 one who is capable of doing one, one thing or another, that becomes the the the, the controlling element or the of of who and what he is, and all that, that's all he seeks. When all his efforts are devoted to the gratification of his animalistic urges and his intellect, instead of being the master becomes the slave of the animal, becomes slave to the body, becomes slave to the pleasures that the body expresses. It is no longer the one that, that which controls and seeks to connect us to the higher abstract dimension, which is, what, again, what we refer to as thought. It doesn't attempt to, to, to bring us into that world of thought, but rather it seeks to subjugate that world of thoughts to completely to the material and to that which is in this world and not go beyond this. At this point, man is reduced to the most dangerous beast of prey, for he is armed with intellect, and the world is not safe from his tyranny. Right? That then, then what you have are extremes that will come out, and a, a total pursuit of physical manifestation of different things, including the physical manifestation, the seeking of power, or the seeking of kavod, which is ultimately the corruption of the highest element of it's 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 an it's an enjoyment that is ephemeral by nature. It's not something you can actually put your foot up, your finger on, but it's something that pulls it pulls pulls tend, tends to pull a person in that direction and also pushes Hashem out of his life, makes it not possible for Hashem to relate to what he is. At this point, man is reduced to so fine. Scripture does not record the revelation to man of God's will for mankind as a whole. Nowhere in the Torah does it tell us that Hashem told Adam Arishain what it was that he was meant to do and how he was meant to do it. Because such a revelation took place later in a new form for one particular nation. That idea um, uh, takes place at a later point in time. He's talking about over here, Shiva Noach, um, which ultimately reveal themselves in a different in a different way. But here, they were not necessary. Everything that happened earlier only served to lead up to this event. However, we are told about one educational precept that was given to man. And through it, we are taught about man and his education by God. I guess this is why he calls the letter education. You know, it's, there is one idea that Hashem tells Adam Rishon, and there's one idea and one idea alone that Adam has to buy into. And that is subjugating himself to the will of Hashem, knowing that there is something that is, a, that is greater than I am and that some, sometimes I'm not always going to understand everything that he says, but that I have to be willing and capable of sacrifice, almost sacrificing myself or giving, giving myself up, turning into that place where the knowledge of the greatness of Hashem requires me to subjugate my own intellect to what he tells me. Again, it's not, it's not as one might think. What we're talking about over here is not what, what one might call a blind, a blind leap of faith faith. It's absolutely not blind at all. It is coming from a completely intellectual uh, evaluation and understanding of what runs the world, who's in control of the world, and why. (coughs) 
And then one follows through on that, despite the fact it just remains a loyalty to that concept, not necessarily a blind leap, quote unquote, blind leap of faith. That's about what he's about to, stand, to, to describe over here. We are told again about one educational precept that was given to man, and through it we are taught about man and his education by God. Man with a world of possessions and pleasures at his disposal is forbidden only one single enjoyment, and no reason is given other than that is the will of Hashem. And that's the ultimate lesson. Am I willing to subjugate myself to the will of Hashem? Am I willing to say that despite all of my greatness and my incredible intellectual prowess and my complete mastery of the world, but ultimately, I am an Eved Hashem. I am, I, am, I am here only to do what it is that Hashem wants for me. That's the ultimate test. To obey it merely because it is God's will is man's highest wisdom. That is the Chachma. The wisdom is knowing when you can't know. Knowing when there's a limitation to what I can actually understand. I need subjugating myself to that. Despite that, it's not a blind leap of faith. It's a calculated leap of faith. It's a calculated uh, connection to something that's greater than myself. To fulfill this will only if, and because it strikes us as being right, wise, and good, could hardly be called obedience to God's will. This brings us to the concept of Shem's presentation of the Torah to the Umos Ha'olam, to the nations of the world. And Hashem says to them, when they ask, the question that they ask him is, Ma Kosovo, what does it say in your Torah? Hashem says, do you want my Torah? They say, Ma Kosovo, what's written in your Torah? The moment they ask that question, regardless of what they would have answered after that, the moment they answer, ask the question, Ma Kosovo, meaning when they're making their acceptance of the Torah contingent on, contingent upon their, their own understanding, their ability to grasp and comprehend what's being told to them. At that moment, they've already lost the Torah. The only way that a person can walk into a world of Torah is Nasev and Nishma. We're going to do it. And then we'll listen and try to understand the reasons. But we're going to do it because this is what the Ratzon Hashem is. We're fulfilling Hashem's will for Hashem's will. If I'm fulfilling Hashem's will because I decide that's the right thing to do, then I'm not doing Hashem's will. I'm doing my own will. That's who I'm following. <clears throat> To fulfill this will only if and because it strikes us as being right, wise, and good could hardly be called obedience to God's will. Would it not rather be obedience to oneself? That's really what it's all about. If, if it has to make sense to me and it has to feel good to me and it has to be the way I want it to be, then that is, that is not serving Hashem. Yet lust and desire tempt us. The fact that that those are the that well, those are the parameters by which Adam entered into Gan Eden and which Adam entered into the world. That may have been, but the reality is, at the end of the day, the Taiva and the and the and the Chemda are what tempt us. Seeing how appealing and how attractive and how tasty, that's ultimately what overwhelms Chama. The Chava, that's what she sees. It says it says that Kitovas um, looked beautiful. It looked beautiful, and there was a desire to eat it. In their wake follows intellectual pride. Following those concepts, how appealing, how attractive, how tasty, right, comes this, after all, we too have intelligence, understanding, a mind of our own. Like gods, and here I say, when he says gods in this, in this context, he means like alien, like powers, people who have have certain power and abilities, we can know for ourselves what is good or evil. Nothing's easier. 
whatever is sweet must surely be good. And after all, the world and everything in it belongs to us. Thus for man, good becomes that which tastes good. Evil, only that which tastes bitter. That's after Chet Adam Arisha, and that's how we function. That's how we roll. We see goodness only in the things that taste good to us, that feel sweet to us, that feel right to us, that feel comfortable for us. Those are the things that are good. And anything else that doesn't make me feel good about myself, that makes me question, that makes me grow, that makes me review or, 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 or go over something, all of that becomes not good. Now, now we're lost. Like gods, we can know for ourselves what is good or evil. Really, nothing is easy. Whatever is sweet must surely be good. And after the world and everything in it belongs to us, thus for man, good becomes that which tastes good. Evil, only that which tastes bitter. This is the story of all of our sins. That's the, that's the makar, that's the sherish, that's the root of all of our virus. This chemda and taiva, this desire and lust, right? Those two things, those are behind everything that, we, that, that happens to us in the world. All of our function becomes because we allow our own desires to run away with us. We allow our desires to be the defining factor. We allow our judgment instead of simply finding exactly what it is that we're supposed to be doing. Now, Hashem reveals himself as the judge, though, though also as a father and a teacher. At that moment, when Adam falls prey to this chemda and gataiva, so then Hashem appears, Hashem appears as the father and the teacher. He's the judge for do not the world and all that it contains belong to him. Of course he can be the judge. Hashem, it's all his world, so of course he can judge us. Does not our power and prerogative to acquire wealth and to partake of its pleasures derive from him and him alone? By misusing this power, just once, by just once extending our hand to the forbidden fruit, that that aver of Adamarishan, that one microsecond in time, that uh, that 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 stretching out and doing what he wants to do, what feels good to him, that's that's the problem. By misusing this power just once, by just once extending our hand to forbidden fruit, have we not surely forfeited any claim to our presence on earth? At that moment. We, we have betrayed our purpose. We've betrayed our role as the ultimate, as the ultimate creature that, 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 that exists and is completely, um, can be completely um, without bias. And so on the day which you disregard the prohibition, you will have forfeited your life, declares the judge's warning. Given to, given to man given to man in advance. But Hashem ultimately doesn't do that. Even though HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, he, uh, if, if you'll take from this tree, then most Thomas, you will surely die, right? But Hashem does not inflict this penalty on his wayward child. Like a father, he wants to educate him. Now, man's road to pleasure is made more difficult. In order to, to experience pleasure now in the world, we have to expend effort. We have to do what it takes in order to make that happen. Um... um now man's is made more difficult in order to discourage him from indulging his animal desires and to bend his pride, he is to be led to himself and upward to God by making, by making him conscious of the fact that his power is limited and that his purpose and his greatness must be found in something higher than that which is so easily given and can so easily be taken away again. So ultimately, Adam Arishan now suffers what he's talking about over here, what he's been to, what he's hinting to, is Adam's exile, Adam's being kicked out of Gan Eden, taken out from that place of ultimate pleasure, of easy access to all of his, all of his needs. Hashem says, At this point, it's by the sweat of your brow. You're no longer going to have easy access to those things. 
by which you could have exercised your ability to connect to Hashem and said you chose to find something else with it. And that ultimately means that Hashem says that you can't come in contact with the Eitz HaChaim because then you will eat from the Eitz HaChaim but that won't be a, a positive thing. That would become a negative thing. That would be that would be a chayim, a life where you don't see, where there's no clear clear vision of what it is that Hashem really wants from us or what Hashem wants in His world. That that ultimately would come us back to that. That's where a person gets lost. So Hashem takes it all away. In the same way, we, every one of us, are being trained even today. Hashem's fraudly education speaks to us through our own experiences. We enter the temporal world in purity. We come into this world with nothing. We come into this world with no averos, with no sins, with no, with nothing to do in this world. We have all the, our only goal, our only purpose is to be master, to return that neshama the way we got it. Um, so we enter the temporal world in purity, capable of reaching the highest degrees of human greatness. Your individual circumstances, the particular, our place, surroundings, parents, brothers, sisters, the measure of mental and physical abilities and material means that mark your birth, the particular teachers, acquaintances, and friends you're allowed to find. These form the Aden in which Hashem placed you. Each one of us has his own Gan Aden. We have our own place where all of the necessary tools are provided for us in order for us to ultimately cleave to Hashem. But in order to teach you not to forget Hashem in your pride and not to attach yourself to objects put at your temporary disposal as if they were everlasting possessions, so Hashem brings another aspect to us, something else that we too have to relate to. And that's called suffering, or tsaris enters your life. Hashem turns, turns the clock back and He says, I'm going to give you reason to have to reach out to me. I'm going to give you reason to not be able to simply forget that I exist, but that you actually have to find me. It's meant to turn you back upon yourself. It calls out to you that everything, parents, family, friends, acquaintances, wealth, possessions, body, mind, all were given to you and put at your disposal by God. The only reason why you have them is because Hashem chose to give them to you. It is not your choice. It's not you that put these things here. It's you It's you were put here with those things and with those abilities. The sorrows, the, the suffering that we have in the world, the, the energies that we expend, that are necessary for us to expend in order to accomplish the things that we want to accomplish, and the fact that all of that has comes only with challenge and with difficulty, and that's the way that we tend to grow. But all of that is intended to show us or to remind us that although Hashem could have put us into a place where everything would have gone without a hitch, would have been simple, and all we would have had to do was to, by passively interacting, meaning not taking from the tree when we when we could, even though we could have, <coughs> that would have been our exercise. Now we require constant reminders to the fact that we are dependent on a greater power, on a higher source, in order to function and do what we're supposed to do. You are to be taught that everything you have is only a means lent to you, the better to strive for the fulfillment of Hashem's will. What Hashem wants is to say, you have, you have all these, whatever it is that you have in the world, Hashem's given that to you as a gift. He's given that to you as a treat. He's given that to you as a tool to reach a certain end. However, Man's freedom delays the success of this educational process. The fact that we have the choice to choose to do the right thing means that we also have the choice to turn away from it, turn towards something that is nothingness. Labor fosters man's pride. The fact that Hashem forces us to work and make things ourselves and pursue, perceive that it's as though we ourselves have done this 
the strength of my hand and, and the and the um the power of my own arm are what have brought me brought me this these tremendous victories that's the danger that we face that because because we are now forced to create our own reality even our physical reality forget the spiritual reality that we were always responsible for building but even the physical reality around us we tend to think that we own that that it becomes a part of what, what we are so um so labor fosters man's pride and he calls his the soil that has rendered that he has rendered fertile by the sweat of his brow he thinks that the ground is now his it's my land and my land produced this what makes it yours hashem put the land there the land was there before you were born it's going to be there after you die the need to provide for his physical necessities henceforth takes up a larger part of his life we end up required, being required to do work in order to live, and thus puts added emphasis on what he has in common with the beasts, that he also has to provide for himself or gather for himself. He comes to see in himself only the animal. And then what the, the sad part is that a person doesn't see a transcendent nature. He doesn't see his capability of taking spiritual potential and actualizing it in the physical dimension because he's so caught up and everything that's happening in the physical dimension alone, and it's all about that physical dimension, it's not possible for me to see beyond that. And then I can, then I take pride in all of that and think that it's all my own, and then I make even bigger mistakes. Um, <clears throat> he comes to see in himself only the animal and considers his mind as only a tool for gratifying its desires. He sees himself only as a creature who has to provide physical comforts for himself, just like an animal provides physical comforts for itself. And the mind <clears throat> becomes the tool by which he sinks further or just derives or derives more ways in which he can actually go ahead and do this, or as we'll see later, can, can find himself other pathways. So he comes to seems of only animal and considers his mind is only a tool for gratifying its desires the animalistic side of himself, he's no longer tuning in, he's no longer functioning with the koach of Dibur, he's simply functioning with the koach of everything that's right in front of him, the limited world, scope of the world, the finite world, becomes his entire reality and becomes an expression of what he is. So the human within man sinks even lower, and then we sink even lower to what we were before. And that which might still have lifted him up, the recognition of God as the only ruler and the father, and, and of all else consequently, as created by him and serving him, the only reality that a person is right. failing to see is his ability to connect to Hashem, to connect to something. It's like the spray painted one, right? So he loses that. That which might still have lifted yeah. him up, right? That which might still have lifted him up, um, uh, the recognition of God as only rule and father of all, of all else, consequently, as created by him and serving him, that recognition had already previously grown dim this now 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 reverse is is simply putting in a, a timeline for us through safer through parshas bracious of what happens until the flood that until that point in time up to, up past the point of Cain, who takes pride in what he produced out of the earth and therefore he sees in his sacrifice that he brings to hashem it's as though this is take you i give you to benefit hashem from what i have produced in the world what is mine and he doesn't see himself as, as subject to Hashem's reality, that Hashem is made the one that made it grow because it's his effort through, by which that plant is produced. So he sees himself as, as and that's why, he, that's why he's unable to deal with 
Hevel's carbon, Hevel's sacrifice, that Hevel recognizes because he works with animals. So Hevel recognizes that it's not about me. It's all about something that Hashem has given me, something that is beyond me, something that's bigger than myself. So, so Hevel's carbon gets accepted and Kain's carbon, despite it having been the nicer one, is uh, despite it, uh, Kain's, Kain's gift is rejected. Right, but now we move on through the world, and we find man is uh, is um, um, has moved far away from his recognition that Hashem is the one that gives us everything. Like you see in the days of Enosh, that it says, Hashem." That people began to see themselves as their own power. They began to see themselves as the source of their own power and what it is, or the powers that they related to directly, and those are the ones that that, that they relate to. As soon as man ceased to look upon himself as merely the guardian and administrator of the earth and endeavored instead to carry out his own will, not God's, as soon as he ceased to be Hashem's servant, he also ceased to look upon the powerful forces around him as Hashem's servants and soon came to consider them independent powers, obedient only to themselves, aspiring to possessions, enjoyment, and domination. So he perceives the gods instead of being him trying to create himself in the image of God, he perceives the gods or the powers of the world as looking to create themselves in the forms of man himself, meaning seeking seeking ultimately only their own pleasure and their own only what is what is to their benefit. Then he sees that as being something that I can serve or that I can bribe or that I can that I can relate to outside, so to speak, of Hashem himself. Um, he no longer discerned the law of the only God to which they are all subservient. To his eyes, the world came to be divided into as many deities as there were forces at work. The rain, the sun, the, the, the rain, the sun, the, uh, the winds, all of those become their own powers. To his mind, the sun did not shine, nor the thunder roll, the lightning flash, the earth take itself in green, the storm roar, or living beings reproduce their kind because they had to do so but because they wished it. Now he perceives everything around him as being its own, the source of its own power that it wants, for he himself had banished consciousness of the law because Adam himself was no longer relating directly to Hashem, seeing that his own existence was only a matter of serving the will of Hashem, of doing what it is that Hashem wants in the world, because Hashem is the ultimate power that enables and allows everything to exist. When you don't see Hashem in that way, then you don't see anything else in that way either. They all become independent powers and you serve them for themselves for what they can do for you. Now man striving only for possessions and pleasures becomes a slave to the forces from whom he thinks he obtains these possessions and enjoyments. He sees himself as being subject to those things that he directly benefits from. He sees himself as being a, a recipient of rain directly from the rain, the clouds, whatever it is, and it begins to serve that. He bends his knees to them. That's the generation of art of Enosh when it says, Hashem, meaning they called the, the Shem Hashem, they gave the Shem Hashem to different things in the world. Different items became their own source of power, their own, their own place, in, and in their own place. In the end, becoming aware of the power of his own desires, he worships even these then he sees the, all these other things as being that. And since he no longer sees all the surrounding creation as serving one encompassing world plan, but as an independent power and lust-seeking entities, he no longer finds his own desire for power and lust gratification bestial and beneath him. He sees that everything is seeking only to further its own means and its own ends and its own gains and to become what it wants to be. Then why shouldn't I do the same?
considered a divine goal worthy of human striving. Acknowledgement of the only God would have lifted him up again, but polytheism became the grave of his humanity. His essence, that, that which elevates him above other creatures in the world, above, above everything else, is lost because he's no longer striving to manifest that spiritual potential that he has connection to, but rather he's simply seeking to expand his material existence, his material footprint, as he perceives all the other powers seeking, seemingly seeking, striving to ultimately express themselves for what they want to be. And then the generation appeared incorrigible. Destruction was its lot. That's what we talk about when we get to know the generation of the head of only one family who still understood what it meant to walk before. The one alone who strove for righteousness and also controlled and ennobled his animal nature, this man became a source of consolation when his generation was destroyed. That's Noach. Noach becomes the only one that is Halak Noach es Elohim. Noach still sees the real Elohim. He sees the real power. He sees the one who is Ba'ala Kokos Pulam, the source that's behind all of the powers, the one who ultimately strives to become what is great. And this man became a source of consolation when his generation. He was saved with his family to bring about the reconstruction of mankind because he understands the ultimate purpose is, uh, ultimately, is about, it's about Avodah Hashem, that my whole existence is about connecting to the Rebun Shon. When a person loses that goal, then one becomes lost in himself. Okay, we'll, we'll hold over here. Thank you very much, everybody. I look forward to seeing you again next week.